Welcome to Shropcast. This is your host, Mark Shropshire. Shropcast is where I share my thoughts and techniques around leadership, productivity, and technology. Let's get started. In this episode, I want to talk about using experiments to reduce risk. Plans do not always go as you expect. Rather than make plans and risk large amounts of time and resources, start with a simple experiment. Think about painting a house or staining a deck. Most who have experience with this recommend going to a paint store and getting samples and bringing those back home so that you can lay various samples that you think may work out against uh, maybe the side of the house or on the deck and see what you like. How does it look? Because what we find is looking at colors in a store, it's really hard to contextualize that when we're not at the place where we're actually going to use those colors, those paint colors or stain colors. So that is a great example to me of using a small experiment to reduce risk. The large risk would be looking online or going to a paint store and just saying, yep, that's the color I want. And then buying all those gallons of paint and spending all the time painting and then realizing, oh, it's the wrong color. It's not what I wanted. So you reduce risk by using those paint samples. You may ask how. How do I do this? Well, ask yourself how you could start to test your ideas, whether personal or at work or anywhere else in life, with a small experiment. Look for experiments that do not take much time or other resources. You want to limit that. Here are some steps to make this happen. Form a hypothesis. That's right. We're going back to fifth grade science here, scientific method kind of stuff. You want to form a hypothesis with your expected outcomes. You think that if you do these things, your outcome will be whatever you think it is. Well, let's prove it with a small experiment rather than going through the entire implementation. After you've written your hypothesis, make sure you can accurately collect data related to the experiment. This is critical. You have to be able to know what are the results? How do you collect those results? How do you have anything to assess? And that takes us to the next step. When that experiment's complete, you want to assess the data. From there, you have some options. You can decide next steps. Maybe the experiment was successful and you want another experiment that builds on the first and adds to it. Or if it's a pretty simple thing to do at that point, maybe you begin planning for the actual idea implementation. The experiment was successful. You, you have confidence that there's less risk now and going forward with the larger plan. So let's just implement it. On the other side, sometimes, you know, the hypothesis doesn't work out. And by the way, that's not so much a failure. That's part of the process. That's the way scientists look at these things. They don't look at it as a success and failure. They're like, yep, okay, uh, my hypothesis didn't work, so let's uh, look at other options. So you could then consider that the idea isn't sound, and then you can go and write a new hypothesis. If, if you still want to get to that outcome, what's another path to get there? And start a small experiment again. So next, I'd like to talk about an example, real-life example, I think it's helpful, that I had at work, um, and this was a few years back. It all started because myself and another developer at the time realized that, well, we have a lot of noise in our client Slack channels. That noise was coming from these alert systems. You know, maybe it was issue queue notifications, you know, whether a service was up or down or had a service outage. Maybe we had um, uh, notifications coming from you know, some type of Git system. And we thought about it and we're like, how can we help with this noise? Well, one idea we had, the hypothesis was to set up alert channels. And this would be a separate channel from the main client channel. Some nice advantages. Some of the team, the team that maybe cares about the alerts mostly, can subscribe to that alert channel. Team members who don't really need to see those, and not everybody necessarily does, 
They don't have to subscribe. And on top of that, team members that really want to be notified anytime can adjust their Slack notifications accordingly so they get pinged on their mobile device or whatever. It's up to them. It's their decision to handle that. But one approach that many would take is we have this great idea. It's a Slack alert channel. Let's let's set up a meeting with the founder of the company. Let's go to the top and we'll have this grand proclamation that comes down. Everyone should use alert channels. Well, that's one way to do it. My experience shows that's a path that has a lot of friction in it. Uh, you're asking a lot of others to help do things for you and to make things happen for you. So what myself and the other developer did, we documented our hypothesis. We said, here are the reasons, here's our outcomes. This is what we'd like to have. This is the reasons we think these will help. Here's why, you know, we put those in a Google doc and had that going. And then we said, you know what? We're not really going to ask for permission here. We're going to just go ahead and create alert channels and, you know, recruit in someone who's an admin to help us uh, set up that stuff in Slack as needed. And we're going to just do it on a few projects as an experiment because we knew that if it failed, if it didn't work out, if the team complained and didn't like it, or it was a headache or caused problems, we knew we could just say, okay, fine. We're just going to revert those back. It's not a big deal. Won't take much time. Didn't really lose anything. And we could just move forward and continue the way we were and say that that's okay. We have another idea in the future. We'll go that way. Well, it turns out that the idea worked out well. And within months of us having that on a few projects, other developers saw that and they saw how beneficial it was for various reasons. And alert channels started popping up everywhere. Until at this point, at MediaCurrent, it's now a common practice for setting up projects. Interestingly enough, there were team members who did disagree that they were beneficial and had valid points. And I, and I even agreed they had valid points. But I think the pros of the alert channels won out because nothing's ever going to be perfect. And now we have those and it's a, it's a benefit and they've morphed and, and changed a bit and how we use them. And myself and other developer haven't really had to do any work there. It just organically has happened. And what was really cool was even when we got ready for implementation, there was really no implementation to do. The team just took it on and just set them up. There was, there was no email that came from a founder that said, we will now have alert channels. You know, a vice president didn't have to say, hello, everyone, please set up alert channels for your projects. You know, it just sort of happened when it was convenient, when it worked out on new projects and things, or when the need arose. And to me, that is a huge success. We used a small experiment, reduced the risk. It didn't really cause a lot of friction within the company. I have one bonus item to bring up, and that is to recognize you've probably benefited from informal experiments through life and work experience. I encourage you to reflect on what goes well for you today and seems easy. How did it become easy? What experiences led to your continued success in that area? This reflection can help you plan more intentional, small experiments in the future. I think that's the case because when we really plan a real simple hypothesis and we work through the experiment like that to reduce risk, it's a lot easier, a lot cleaner, a lot simpler, and we don't go through quite as much pain. Well, I hope this was helpful for you today. I encourage you to think about an experiment that you could take on and give it a shot. Start with one. Start with something simple and see how it works out. And I think you'll find that this is a great technique. Thanks for listening to Shrompcast. I love learning and sharing with you. If you want to learn more about me, check out my website, shrop.dev. I also encourage you to subscribe to my Shrop TV YouTube channel. You can find the link in the show notes of this episode. Have a great day and remember to be kind to others and yourself. 